We are in week two of our Lament series. And my name is Katie, and I'm a member of the teaching team here. And I am going to have the pleasure this morning of talking to some educators and having them share some of their experiences and their perspectives over the last couple years of the pandemic. Um, and so I just want to take a little bit of time to talk about lament and highlight a few things that Jay mentioned last week, because a few things really stood out to me. Um, so one of those to just kind of start it off that lament is this expression of pain or sorrow or grief. And I think it's important that we, today we're going to be focusing a little bit on that expressive part of actually having a space to share it. Last week, Jay asked a question of who, who are we now in kind of the context of how this last year of the pandemic or the last couple years of the pandemic have changed us and impacted us. And he asked some really meaningful questions about the church and how those things have impacted the church. And I think it's important that as we listen to the educators today, we reflect for ourselves as well, how have we been changed? Um, if we are aware of it or not, we are different because of the pandemic, right? The world around us is different. I mean, just the fact that I'm wearing a mask, which I could probably take off, and you're all wearing masks. Um, the fact that we have Zoom meetings regularly now, you know, that was a thing before, but now it's like, oh, I'll just jump on Zoom. Um, there are so many changes, and those are superficial, the lighthearted ones, right? There's a lot deeper impacts of the pandemic in all of us. One of the things that Jay also said that really struck me, he said, pain can only heal when it can breathe. And even this morning during our time of worship, I was reminded that we don't take time to breathe. I mean, we, physically we do, because we're all here. But to, to let our souls breathe, our society doesn't like that. It's uncomfortable, because when you take time to breathe, you, you realize things. And it's easier to keep this fast-paced, move from one to the other, keep ourselves busy, keep ourselves distracted. And that when we take time to breathe, and we let our pain breathe, it's very uncomfortable. And I've had a lot of conversations lately about living in tension. And it's just easier to avoid or to get a clear answer, right? When someone shares a problem, it's easy to be like, this is what you should do. It's hard to say, like, I don't know and I'm gonna sit with you, and it's gonna feel painful. We don't wanna feel pain, right? And so this morning, and in the next couple weeks, as we have these panels, I wanna really challenge us to focus, to be present, to listen, and to sit with the pain of the panelists, and, and sit with the pain that it might stir up in you, and to give that space, space for the pain to breathe, because that leads to healing. And that's what God calls us to be. He calls us to be people that are, are healed and are calling other people into healing. Because then we can live out the fullness of who's he's, who he's created us to be. So we don't want to just sit in pain to sit there. We want to sit in pain so that we can experience God's love, God's healing, and then we can call other people to that fullness. And I think that our church community here at One Life, we have a unique opportunity to do this. Because from where I'm standing, I can make eye contact with all of you. There aren't people 100 feet away up in some balcony. You don't need to look at me on a jambotron to see me. And so when these panelists share, you might not know them or know their names, but 
they're very close to you. And when service is over, you have the opportunity to go talk to them, to reach out to them. We have a community that can sit and help each other breathe through our pain in a unique way. And I think that that's something, that's one of the reasons I'm here, because we can do that together. And I, I want to challenge us to, to do that, to listen, to be present, and to encourage each other to lament. Um, I know from personal experience, it's so much easier, like I said, to give solutions, right? Or to do the like, well, at least whatever, you know, but to sit there and encourage people, I think you've had a hard time. I think you need to talk about it. And to give that space. Because it's so easy to want to just help people push through, right? Partly because we don't want to deal with their pain, because then that might bring up pain in, in me. And it would be easier to ignore it. But sometimes I think we need people in our lives to encourage us to share that. And that's what that lament is, that it's expression of that pain. I, I work a lot with children, and it's so easy, right, when a child is crying to just say, like, you're OK. Like, Stop crying. They just took your truck. There's 15 other trucks. Like, don't worry about it, right? And there's an appropriate time to encourage children to move on. But there's also something about, like, that's upsetting, right? And we just want to say, like, it's OK, move on. But sometimes we need to say, do you, do you want to cry? Do you want to hug? Tell me you're mad. But that starts so young, this temptation to like, you're OK, because I don't have time to deal with your pain, so just move on. And so this morning, I want to really encourage us to, to hear, to listen, to sit in this. Yesterday, I had the privilege of attending a brunch where a woman shared her story of um, living through domestic violence. And it was the first time that she had publicly shared that story to a group of people. And she experienced, you could see it as she was sharing, this freedom in having people hear her story and recognize she's in a different place now and to have people be present with her in that. And when we were singing that first song, We'll All Be Free, I was thinking, man, there's something to the sharing our pain that allows us to, to move closer to that freedom. And society tells us not to share our pain, right? It, it's kind of, like I said, we don't want to experience it. And there's so many reasons, because pain brings fear. What's going to happen? How are people going to respond? It's shame. What if it, I contributed to this pain? Uh, somehow I'm bad because of that. This being viewed as weak, feeling like people will think I'm weak. Or I've personally experienced, if I start sharing this, everything's going to fall apart. And I'm going to fall apart. And someone said to me once, well, then maybe you need to fall apart, you know? Or like, what does that even, like, what do you think that's going to mean? Like, it's okay to share these things. But again, there's so many reasons why we fight it. So this morning, as our, as our educators share, I want us to tune into those things. And I also really encourage us to, to be aware of how God is going to be stirring in you maybe some areas that you need to lament. And as we hear from peacemakers and healthcare workers in the future, be listening for ways, even though you might not be a teacher or a health care worker, there's something that you can probably connect to in these stories. So with that, I'm going to bring up the three educators from our church that are going to share with us. So Julie and Shir Julia and Shirley and Tanya, if you'd come on up. Woo! And thank you for clapping for them because, because they took time 
and energy, and they are literally sitting in front of you sharing their story, right? And that takes uh, vulnerability, and it takes strength and bravery to be willing to share things and be heard. And for some of us, just speaking in front of people is a huge sacrifice, right? And so we really do want to honor them. So I'm going to have you start by just introducing yourselves and sharing a little bit about what age group or subject you have taught or currently are teaching. So Shirley, we'll start with you. Um, well, my name is oh, Shirley. Uh, and so um, the past two years, I've been teaching fourth grade. So um, and well, I got my teaching credential quite a while ago, maybe 12 years. And since that time, I've either I've been substitute teaching or teaching and just trying to secure a, a permanent position. Um, so uh, but yeah, I've taught pretty much anywhere from kinder to sixth grade. And so um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right, thanks. Hello. Okay. Uh, my name is Tanya, and I've been teaching since 2006. So it's been quite a while. Um, and my grade level that I'm kind of in is the very young one. So I've taught kinder, first grade, second grade, but I've done TK the most of my career. If you're familiar with TK, it's, the, it's called transitional kindergarten. So it's the little ones. Yeah, and I'm Julia. I also worked in elementary school age kids, so like kindergarten through sixth grade music. Awesome, music, yeah, great. And then, Tanya, if you would take this first question, um, and you know, we do have a time limit, but how has teaching in COVID and the pandemic, how has that impacted uh, your teaching? Um, yeah, when this question was came up when our, you know, because we got the questions ahead of time, I was like, wait, COVID teaching, it's been three seasons, right, since it started. So um, when it first, I remember two years ago, March, it was like, things were crazy, right? Just so much unknown. Um, and we were just really, just one day we were open and the next day we were closed. Pretty much it felt like that, right? And so a lot of fear, a lot of unknown, a lot of scrambling and trying to do the right thing. Um, so that was just, yeah, it's so trying to sort of like head above water for the end of school year. So that was really rough. Um, and the second year, full school year, was difficult in its own way. Um, with my little ones, we did Zoom. I did Zoom for most of the year, but we had seven different schedules throughout the whole year. So it was a lot of up and down, a lot of back and forth. Um, so that was definitely challenging. Um, and this, this school year is also different, but you know, it's, we're still in pandemic, so it's in person yet with masks. Now masks are a little bit lifted, but it's, it's still not the same, but I would say it is better. <laughs> and I, I would say for the parents as well, like sending, being able to send their children, you know, if they're comfortable. So, um, but at, each one was so different. And so it's definitely um, looking back and even looking at the present, like, wow, it's, Usually, teaching, we would say, like, there's never a dull moment, but you can't even say that. It's, now it's like, oh my gosh, like, you never know what's going to happen. So, yeah. If you notice there, she said one year she had seven different schedules. And those of you that are parents, you're like, oh yeah, I remember those seven different schedules, right? But that's a lot. Like, teaching pre-pandemic is like a lot, right? And then with that, that those seven different schedules took planning and adjusting and the email that said we're starting that tomorrow or next Monday or whatever it was, right? So that constant changing. And Zoom, 
Uh, you can imagine if you, if you haven't been around four or five-year-olds for a while, but Zoom with four and five-year-olds, you know? And then also with the older kids, there's a different challenge when you have, you know, middle school, high schoolers who might not show, and they know all the tricks, right, of, of how to, to work the system. Um, Shirley or Julia, do you have anything you want to add to that? Because I know we have different age groups represented. How teaching in the pandemic kind of changed for you? Um, uh, yeah, they're just very different experiences. I think uh, last year, I mean, when we were virtual and teaching online, that was really a challenge. Like I, um, well, I tried to block this out, but, <laughs> but basically, um, I think it was just very challenging and discouraging because I had like half of my kids were not turning their assignments and I would try to keep get in touch with their parents and the parents weren't following through and so you know I got very frustrated and discouraged and you know I just kind of gave up communicating with some of the parents like you know probably by December January and so um, I think that it was very discouraging for me and I came kind of bitter and you know <laughs> and, and why not um, and I think very cynical and judgmental, I think. And then I, during that time, I do kind of wish I had been more understanding. Like you knew there was, it was difficult for the kids, but at the same time, you forget to empathize and you know, be understanding. Um, but you know, this school year has been a lot better, I think, in person. Um, you just get to build more of a personal relationship with the kids and um, yeah, and really get to, I'm sorry, this is not, oh. Sorry. Okay. Um, and you get to build more of a personal relationship with the kids and um, really get to um, encourage them and um, just be able to work with them even on academic level and just see a lot of their progress. So um, yeah, it's just very different experiences Yeah, the past two years. Yeah. Really different from online versus in person for teaching. Something that we've really appreciated is being able to like be in person with students and just the value of walking with people in person rather than over through a screen. Um, and so yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's been one of the like parts of teaching that have been most valuable is just like also building those relationships with students. Yeah, and that's something that I think as educators, well, and, and a lot of us in areas of our life, but we've lost, we lost that connection, right? And, and surely you were teaching fourth grade, right? So when you have a fourth grader, you're able to talk to them and see them and you get a better sense of what's going on, but when they just don't show up on Zoom or they don't turn in their assignments, you know, that ability to connect. And it makes sense that it was harder to be empathetic. It's harder to be empathetic with a computer screen right? Or a little box that says, maybe this person's there, you know? Um, I, I had forgotten, because it seems so long ago, but I was teaching a year ago uh, college students. And, you know, sometimes we do activities and they'd be in breakout rooms and then, you know, I'd be like sign off and the person's still on for like 10 minutes, you know? Something tells me they weren't there because they don't know classes over. And so those, those older ages, you know, you lose that ability to look someone in the eye and say, I need you to, you know, what's going on? Um, and it's harder for kids to share what's going on with a teacher that's a box as well, you know? And so I think some of those things were huge losses during that time. That, that leads into this next question of what, what areas do you feel like you were able to lament during this, this past year or two? 
Um, or where, where are there areas where you feel like you, you still need to lament? I'll go first. Um, I think that one one thing I have kind of already lamented a little bit, but would like to lament more is just like, now it was my first year teaching, um, just like being online and not really seeing students in person, not seeing students bottom half of their faces. I can't tell if they're frowning or smiling at me. Um, and like um, just the, kind of emotional stress that it took to keep changing through different scenarios has been like, is this what teaching is? I don't really know if it's a place I can really serve people if I'm dealing with all of these like external things yeah. in the world. So. Yeah, and I think in our, the conversation we had earlier this week, you shared about that disappointment of finishing a, educate, a program, um, graduating with a credential, starting teaching, and this being the experience that you had and that that disappointment and like you said is this what I want to do is this what teaching is you know and how can I love and serve students in this context yeah anything else areas that you were able to lament or things you you wish or feel like you still need to um, yeah I feel like I just have so many regrets I mean you don't think about it at the time but I just wish I had been more like cheerful and encouraging with my students last year. I think I got so negative and um, you know, just being back in the classroom this year, I just see like just how, yeah, so I wish I, in retrospect, like I had thought more about their emotional health, you know, and their well-being um, instead of just focusing so much on academics. I think I was so, I felt so stressed out um, because we had like you said, we had to take a test. We not only had to learn a new platform on how to teach, you know, online and converting everything to online um, curriculum, but it's also um, keeping track of their attendance and whether they were online and offline and having to report to the office, like whether they were, because they'd have to contact the parents and then to see if they're, monitor their computer screens to see if they were online, you know, if they were on the right, where they're supposed to be and all this and that and um, just trying to, and looking at so many different screens and then the technology wouldn't work where I couldn't see all the kids, it just so many things. And I was also getting um, evaluated by my principal, like she was stalling, you know, this year and, you know, having to observe my lessons and things and it was just a tough year. So I think I, I kind of got very, uh, yeah, it was just frustrating. And so, uh, and then not having the class be so like responsive, but you know, now this year, I just wish, you know, seeing my, it's a different crop of students, but I just wish that I had been more, um, just, yeah, more encouraging and more cheerful and just more positive with them because um, I think that last year of learning, it was pretty much lost, you know, so I, list, I wish I had just offered a lot more kindness and, like, empathy and compassion for them. Anything to add? Yeah, I'll just add a little bit to, um, I think when we shared, I said, wow, I haven't given my sp myself space to lament, and I think it's part of it's my personality, part's, you know, I'm a seven. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I like to avoid conflict, avoid <laughs> pain. Um, but also, you know, when you're given, you know, as teachers, you're given, you're, whatever you're given, you're gonna do the best you can with, right? And you're gonna adapt, and you're gonna, or for me, it's like, I'm gonna make it work. Like, seven schedules, I'm gonna do it. You know, like <laughs> I have so many different versions of my lesson plan, like lesson plan virtual, lesson plan hybrid, lesson plan AMPM. like it was non, it was, 
Google was my best friend, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was a lot, right? But I think for me, it was, I got to do this for the kids. You know, I got to do this for the parents. And um, like, I just, just, it just has to be done. But <laughs> um, what I, I don't know, yeah, even when we had the breaks, like, okay, you know, I wasn't teaching 24 7, 365 days a year, but once we hit that break, it's like out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> You're like, I'm taking the break and I'm not even going to think about it. And so, um, so you, cause you kind of think like, well, you know, could you lament during your break? I mean, no, cause I'm not even thinking about school. It's like, <laughs> was it last day school hit? I'm out of there, you know? So, um, but when I'm in it, I'm in it like hundred percent. Right. So, um, thinking about, I know the experience is still different with the, when we're talking about like the age group with my group of kids. Um, like I, I think I shared last time that we, I was up here, like that partnership with the parents is so important. And I, I, that was the first year I actually felt more connected to parents because I was in their homes, like virtually, you know, and I got to meet a lot of siblings, parents, pets, you know, like I even got to meet all their, like I was in their homes, you know, and so it, there was that, it wasn't like in-person connection, but it was definitely a type of relationship connection. And, um, you know, the work that they're producing was either live with me or the parents had helped them. So mm -hmm. they really couldn't get away with not showing up, you know, <laughs> uh, without me like, hey, what's going on? But um, so I, what I'm lament, I guess what I'm kind of lamenting this year, even though it's, it's more close to what used to be, I don't have that same kind of accountability connection. And, I, and I'm feeling a little bit like I kind of miss that. Not that I want to be, I do not want to be on Zoom in their homes. <laughs> you know, I don't miss that part, but I miss that kind of like dependence. Code, not, does that sound bad? Codependence? That sounds bad, right? Co-parenting. Co-parenting. Like not codependency, but that teamwork yeah. aspect. So because a lot of it is now like, oh, my kids are back in school. It's, it's all on you again. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, it, it starts at home, you know, so, yeah. I think something that stood out to me previously and as Tanya was sharing right now is that you hear the heart of a teacher of like, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to do it for the kids. Um, and so that there's no space for lamenting, right? Because again, part of that is if I take time to really think about this, like I'm probably not going to keep going, right? Like I got to just go. And um, that I think is again, a common experience that we can all probably relate to at different times or in different professions where th there's too much to actually stop and lament. But again, if I think if we, if we don't do that at some point, which is part of this space, right? Letting, asking her that question and saying, wait, think about it, right? And we want to hear it because it's hard. And even though she might sound so confident in it, it that still takes a toll, right? And being able to do that and have children at home and all the different roles that teachers wear in their lives, but as teachers, right? Trying to to take on, as Shirley said too, the reason she's discouraged and frustrated is because she cares about these kids and is what is happening and I can't help, right? And teachers do not just teach math and English, right? They're trying to, to invest in these children. And when you're being an administrator and a tech coach and all these things at once, it's exhausting, right? It's, it's, it's exhausting. A couple more questions here. Were there any specific ways where you felt like God met you in these challenges and where you saw God's presence with you? I guess, um, well, I mean, even though virtual teaching was challenging, there were just some blessings because um, 
you know, since we were teaching online, I was able to go home, uh, go to visit my parents in Michigan, and I originally was going to stay there for about a month, but then my principal said, we're not going back for a while. So I just stayed with my parents for almost three months, and so it was nice to do that. And, you know, I would go into my dad's office and, you know, teach, and then I'd come out, my mom would prepare a nice meal for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it was nice. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, it was a... Uh, yeah, so that, that was a blessing. And then, you know, as hard as uh, teaching was, it was, I learned a new skill set. You know, it wasn't something I was anticipating, but, you know, I learned um, about more resources, and those were things that I can incorporate into my teaching today. And, you know, we just use that. So, um, yeah, I think there were just, yeah, some of those blessings. And then um, just this year, after having such a bad year last year, um, you know, this year, I think, I don't know, God just showed some favor on me because I have such a great class this year. They're just so sweet. Um, they're just the sweetest class. I mean, I already, we're gonna, we only have maybe two more weeks, months left of school. I miss them already, you know? So, um, yeah, they're just so great. And um, I think they, you know, they've helped me feel more positive, you know, about teaching. I think I always struggle with feeling like I'm falling short as a teacher all the time. Like, you know, every day I'm like failing, you know? And so, um, you know, with these kids, they're just so, uh, they were very low academically because they lost so much last year and they were probably kind of low to begin with um, because I work at a Title I school. So they're, which means, you know, it's more, um, I'm working in a community that's more underserved, but they, but our school is not like, worst of the worst you know we it's just more of a working class neighborhood and you know we do have some extreme cases you know of kids who are coming from more desperate situations but you know overall um yeah but there are definitely some challenges and so uh but these kids even though they were just behind academically they've been you know willing to put in the work and things like that and just made me kind of revive or kind of renew like my um and i don't know if it's a passion but i guess for you know for teaching and um, so that's been a, a real blessing for me. And then I think it just also reminded me like all that, um, I have kids in my class that have improved a lot, you know, or just, um, I have one boy in my class, um, you know, he, he's very, just struggles academically, but this year for some reason he just started to uh, get, like my kids, they didn't know their multiplication facts, you know, so we had to work on that on top of, um, on top of like just learning the math itself. And so uh, they didn't have a lot of basic math skills. So, you know, he's been just somehow, he just got very motivated and started learning his uh, multiplication facts. And he's one of the best ones in our class doing that. And I mean, he's got, and so he, you know, he started attending math tutoring with me and he, um, you know, his scores used to be like in the fifties and he went to seventies. Last test he got was like a hundred percent, you know? <laughs> and I was just, so it's just, um, you know, and it's just with a, you know, and then he also met some reading goals and things, and it just, that made me also lament, like, just with a little bit of encouragement, you know, and just cheerleading, and just when you see that the kids just experience just a little bit of success, you know, and how that drives them to move forward, um, you know, it just, it just made, um, just kind of reminded me, or just said, you know, me, for me to just really have to be more encouraging with my students, and to really be their cheerleader, and just to have, like, um, you know, and encourage them in the like the really small victories because um, that leads to greater ones for them, and I think that was like part of my lament too. Just because I feel I was like, oh gosh, I didn't do that last year, you know, I didn't do that as much as I should have, 
And so, um, yeah, so I think just this year, I think, yeah, God definitely, you know, met me, you know, in, in that. And I think just this year has been more of a year, I guess, refreshing for me. Yeah, yeah. good, mm-hmm. good. And I feel like I think you maybe couldn't, you couldn't have encouraged your kids as much in the same right way, right? Instead of you should have done more. Like it was just, you couldn't in the same way because of what the pandemic did to teaching. Mm-hmm. Well, for, for our final uh, question this morning, I just want to hear if there are ways, what the ways are that our church community can pray and support you um, as you continue to process the last couple of years and as you move forward in the day-to-day of, of your teaching and ministering to families. Julia, do you want to start off with this one? Um, I think one thing would just be like encouraging our identity and belonging and purpose, like as a teacher and as just as a human as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just kind of that kind of like. I think our small group has done a really great job of this too. Just like checking in with how you're doing with all of this unique, yeah, like parts of being a teacher in the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, moving forward, I mean, the school year's not over yet, but I'm already kind of thinking <laughs> of like the future. Um, I don't know how many people have like children, little a young children, but um, what's coming up in the state, <laughs> just FYI, is um, UTK, which is Universal Transitional Kindergarten. Basically, the age group that I've been doing for a long time, they're four years old coming in, and they're turning five by December. But what's coming up, and our district decided to hop on board early, hop on the train early, (laughs) and bring us along is um, we're taking four-year-olds. So my position is pretty much going to be, I'm kind of transitioning to almost a preschool teacher. So I might (laughs) want to (laughs) a little bit. But I mean, um, I feel like I... I have experience with the young ones, but not quite. I mean, I have my own preschoolers, right? It's very different. Um, so just moving forward, I ask for, I guess, prayer for, you know, extra dose of patience, wisdom, and um, just relying. You know, I was thinking about this, uh, one of the, the worship songs this morning, like, faithful you will be and faithful you have been and faithful you will be. Like, I think that's my whole kind of the ebbs and flows of my whole career. There's been a lot of ups and downs. And even prior pandemic, there was, like, a lot of stuff going on and, um, but God has always been faithful so for me to remind myself of that no matter what happens or what comes thrown at you as an educator you know with politics or classroom and all that you know different dynamics pandemic you know that God is always faithful mm-hmm. and so he will he will like guide me so. um, well I guess I would just like to take this time to thank our church because I know that like our leadership especially has been really concerned for the well-being of our, our church members. And, you know, I've been kind of MIA at times, but, you know, they always want to check in and they just want to know, they care about our mental health, you know, and, um, you know, they're always talking about, uh, they always acknowledge, like, teachers, healthcare workers, and everybody else. And um, so I just appreciate that. I mean, sometimes I feel like, oh, I don't really deserve that kind of attention because I don't, I feel like, you know, I mean, I know that, there are healthcare workers out there, you know, and they, they're dealing more with life and death and having to comfort people, you know, in those situations and family members. And, you know, I'm not dealing with life and death, you know, but it, it was frustrating, but I, but, you know, still our 
leadership and all church members, you know, have always like saying, oh, it must be so tough to be a teacher and you know, this. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I just, they just care. And then I think our, also my life group, especially the women in our life group, they've been so supportive. Like, you know, we have a, um, a group text, right? And anytime anybody needs like a prayer, it has a prayer request or has to share any praises or uh, just, you know, our, uh, or just pray, prayer requests, you know, everybody is so supportive. You know, I just recently just got some news. I guess this will be a prayer request for later, but, um, you know, and I just needed some comfort at that time, you know. I was kind of bummed, and so I just said, you know, guys, can you pray for me and explain the situation? And then I just got a whole flood of texts, you know, <laughs> just saying, you know, you're awesome, da, 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 you know, and, um, and just, I just felt so um, just loved and cared for at that time, and I just was, I got that comfort that I just needed at that time, so... Our church has been very, just amazing. Yeah. Well, I hope that you can hear that and receive that because I think, again, like I said in the beginning, that's an opportunity that we have as a church to reach out and to hear the stories. And if you think of it, to, to pray for, for the news that truly didn't elaborate on and to ask Tanya, what do you mean about Universal TK and how can I really support you with that? And in a serious way, like it's, it's things that affect us all. Um, because children grow up, right? And we have lots of babies and young ones in this church that will be there um, and asking about new job situations and how people are doing to really take that time to listen because we can do that. So thank you so much. Before you, you take your seats, I would like to pray for you. Um, so if you would join me in praying uh, for these educators. God, I thank you for this morning and for the opportunity to hear uh, from these three women and I thank you for them and for the other educators that we have here in our community um, that we didn't hear from this morning and for the tireless effort that they have put in, um, not just to educate children, but to love them and to care for them, to reach out to families and to adjust to changing requirements and guidance from administrators and healthcare experts. I thank you for the ways that you have given them the strength to persevere, um, for the changes that this year have brought in positive ways. I pray that you would continue to meet each one of them in their unique challenges and situations, that you would bless the children in their classrooms, that you would give all of the educators uh, opportunities to show your love and your joy to the children and their families. Um, you have placed them in specific schools and classrooms and in specific families' lives, and I pray that you would really use that opportunity uh, to call out the healing and the life that you offer to all of us. So I thank you for this church community and the way that we value educators and voices that we were able to hear from different people and give them a space to share their lives with us. So I thank you for the life that you give, the, the challenge and the privilege that you call us to, to enter into each other's pain um, and to bring each other along in our journeys of healing um, as we look to you for that grace and strength. I pray that you would encourage all of us this morning and give us those spaces to let our, our pain breathe so that you can, can meet us there and we can receive your healing. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, panelists. <laughs>